0: Pastor Mike, what a joy it is to be with you all tonight. When you come back and enjoy to be with you right now this morning as we gather in worship, it's a great day in worship and a great day on our campus. And right now, before we go to our sermon, we know you know we have many people that join us online. Just a reminder: as you are traveling, perhaps between now and the end of the year, at any point in the season ahead, you can watch our services online live on Sunday mornings, or you can listen to our podcasts or watch our podcasts wherever you can access podcasts. We even have an app. Bel Air Church, that you can download and get caught up. And if you've been with us in the month of December, you've discovered that we are going through a sermon series called The Speed of Light. And it's this invitation to I'm not talking about, uh, you know, distance over time, uh, how fast you go in terms of miles per hour, kilometers per hour, but we're talking about what does it mean for us to move at the speed of Jesus? You see, Scripture says that Jesus is the light of the world, and so we've explored in the last two weeks, and we'll explore again today what it means for us to to move at the speed of Jesus, to receive last week at the speed of Jesus, today to spend at the speed of Jesus, and perhaps some of you are like spend at the speed of Jesus, uh, spend at the speed of light. I know people who have no problem with that; they can spend. Money very fast. No, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about something actually much more profound, much more holistic. But before we get to our text, which is Matthew two, before we do that, I want to give you a quick little update on where we are as a church family in our season of giving. So, would you would you pull up your bulletins? On the back of the bulletin, there is a chart that lets us know. And for those of us who are part of this church family, you are aware that we as a church family give towards what God does on this campus, in this city, and around the globe. And the reason why this church is here today, 63 years after it was founded, is because there's been faithful women and men who have invested their time, their talent, and their treasure in the ministry and the work of Bel Air Church. And we have, as you see in the top right-hand corner, same graph that you have in your bulletin, our goal for the season of giving, that's the last quarter of the calendar year, is that we as a church would give uh, just over $2.06 million. Now that's just 30000 more than we gave last year. Uh, some of us are like, wow, that's a big number. It is a big number. And yet this is a big and generous church that is so much bigger than what you see around you. We've got multiple services and many people join us online. And you'll notice just below that that red column or the blue column on the right, uh, last December, so December of 2018, we as a church family in the last month of the year gave 1288000 hundred and sixty-five dollars and this year on the left you'll see that we've got a December goal it's, it's larger than that 1,412,835. and the reason why that goal is bigger for this December is because we slipped a little behind in our giving as a church in November so we need to catch up a little bit and the good news is just hang with me here and those of us who this is our church family we care about this because we care about what God does in and through this as a church family In the bottom left see that that dark blue, it says 248,144. That's what we've given as of this past Thursday, just the month of December. And the great news is that's more than we gave in the same period of December last year and even more than the December prior to that. So we're off to a great start in December. We're closing the gap, but big red box there. That's our goal for the rest of the year, 1,163,439 and that's to ensure that the ministry that we have planned, that we believe God has called us to on this campus, in the city, and around the globe can continue to go as we've prayerfully planned without having to make any adjustments for the second half of our fiscal year, which ends the end of June. And we just trust, we know, that God has been faithful before and through so many individuals in our church. And we trust that God will continue to be generous through us. Because we know, as followers of Christ, that everything we have, is a gift from God. The breath in our lungs, the heart that beats each other, the gift of grace in Jesus Christ. And so what a joy that we have to, to give cheerfully in this season. All right, so why don't we go to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We're in the third week of a sermon series, Speed of Light. If you don't have a Bible, no problem. That red book in the pew in front of you or if you're in the front row, there's a little cubby right behind your leg. And that's our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, truly would rather it be in your life, speaking truth and love and power, rather than it sitting in the pews all week, closed. If you're online, welcome again. There's been a lot of people joining from Beijing, I've seen, uh, online, and from Brussels. I don't know what's going on in Beijing and Brussels, but every week I go, and I'm like, who are these people? And there's these red dots on a map that just keep on, like, multiplying. So whatever God's doing through this ministry in those places. I don't know how to say hi, Uh, bonjour, and how do I say if I'm in, ni is that, I don't know. Thank you, Nihau and bonjour, wonderful. Hope you received that with the intent it was given. Uh, Matthew two, verses one through 12, very famous passage of scripture. And in this third week of Advent, as we heard right in the beginning, this is a focus on joy. And we're exploring what does it mean to spend at the speed of light. This is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Who is to shepherd my people, Israel? Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me words that I may also go and worship him. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped. Over the place where the child was. When they saw the star and stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This, my friends, is the reading of God's Word. All right, so why are, we, why are we taking a look at this passage? Why are we taking a look at, you know, this well-known story? Perhaps some of you were hearing this story for the first time. And, and how is this related to spending at the speed of light? So just as a reminder, if you've just come in, in this month of December, we're taking a look at how we can live our lives at the same speed as Jesus. Jesus described as the light of the world. In the first week, we took a look at what does it mean to move throughout our life with a rhythm that is in step with Jesus that incorporates stillness and silence and solitude into our life in ways that don't cause us to be hectic or rushed or burnt out, that actually give us life. Last week, we discovered what it means to receive at the speed of light, and we talked about the practice of Sabbath, And not just to have a daily rhythm, but a weekly rhythm where we can pause and reflect and delight in and celebrate and remember who God is in our life and all that God has to give us, and that we can receive him and all that he is. Well, this week, we're going to take a look at Herod, and we're going to look at these wise men. We're going to see two very distinct ways of living. I'm going to refer to it as the Herod way and the wise way to diametrically opposed velocities. We'll get to that in a moment. And each of these two different ways of living, you'll see actually Herod and the wise men, they are spending their their time, they're spending their energy, they're spending their resources in in very drastically different ways. And we're not just going to do a historical lesson. We're not going to just look back and say, well, that's interesting for them. And leave it at that, but in actual fact, every single one of you, myself included, has a little bit of Herod in us and has a little bit of a wise one in us. In every moment of every single day, every decision that we make, every relational interaction that we have, every moment where we find ourselves in a circumstance that we anticipated or don't anticipate, we can either go and choose the Herod way, or we can choose the wise way. And where we spend our time, our talent, our treasure, our energy, our resources, makes all the difference in the world. So let's take a look. We're going to compare these two, the Herod way and the wise way. So keep those Bibles open. If you close them, open them back up. And I'm going to take a look first at Herod, and you're going to see in verse 3, many of you who are taking notes will write this down. When you live the Herod way, you are threatened by anything that will disrupt your kingdom. When you live the Herod way, you are threatened by anything that will disrupt your kingdom. You see, King Herod was a king. He had a kingdom. He had plans. He had goals. He had resources. He had a very specific plan for his life and a dream for the future. He gets word that a new king is coming, a new ruler is coming, and he is now threatened by this new thing, this new power, this new potential that could disrupt his kingdom. And we know that because in verse 3 it says this, when King Herod heard this Heard about the birth of a child. Heard about this baby. He was frightened. Some translations say he was dismayed. Uh, some translations say he was troubled. The Greek word, which is the language of the New Testament, the Greek word is tarasso. Can I hear you say tarasso? It's a very similar word where we get the word Terrified it also gives this image, the Greek word, it's, it's so packed full with meaning. This, it's this, it gives the image of a riot. Now, I remember growing up in Los Angeles, I remember seeing pictures uh, on the television screen of the L.A. riots. I remember hearing stories of, of family and friends who happened to be driving through parts of L.A. and seeing with their own eyes. And what Matthew is trying to communicate is that there is this threat for King Herod. And all of a sudden, a riot wells up internally. A maelstrom, a hurricane, a tornado of fear rises up. Now, show of hands, how many of you would you say, you look back on your life, it could, it could have been this week, it could have been this year, it could have been when you were younger, would you say that you have a, a recollection when something, maybe it's something that somebody said, Maybe a coworker, maybe a boss, maybe a, an employee. Maybe it was a doctor said something to you. Maybe it was uh, a change in your, your financial situation. Maybe it was something that happened in the markets. Maybe it was something that had to do with your health. Maybe it was a circumstance of something was taken from you. But how many of you, show of hands, would say that, that you've had something happen where your kingdom was threatened, your peace, your feeling of being in control... Your knowing how things are going to plant was threatened in such a way that it felt like there was this riot that welled up within you. Nobody else experienced that? Look around the room. This is life. This is humanity. There's another way to live. It's called the wise way, not the Herod way. Take a look. If you have those Bibles open. We'd love for you to take a look at verses 1 and 2. I've already read it, but let's go back to it. Unlike Herod, who was terrified, unlike Herod, who was filled with this riotous interior life, it says this, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east, let's pause right there. Now, we don't know exactly how far east, they were. You know, east from here is East LA. It's also Maryland. It's also Israel. I mean, you can keep going farther and farther east. Now, church history, so outside of scripture, many church historians believe that these wise men, also referred to as magi, came perhaps as far away as China. How long would it take on foot or by camel or some other non-gasoline powered vehicle? to get from, perhaps, China to Bethlehem. Months. They left their worldview. They left the pattern of their lives. They left their schedule. They left their friends. They left their family. They left their kingdoms to be open to the potential of being transformed, not threatened, Transformed by the one thing that could eclipse, could overshadow their little kingdom. In fact, go ahead, look at verse 11. This is so fascinating. They've come all this way. And in verse 11 it says this, on entering the house, actually let's go, forgive me, back one verse, verse 10. When they saw that the star had stopped, you see they've been following this star. We don't know the fullness of what this is. Were they... Astronomers? We, we, you know, we don't know, but they've come all this way. They finally see the star stopping, and it says this in verse 10. When they saw the star stop, they were overwhelmed with joy. Now, again, this is the English translation of the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament. So Matthew has chosen very specifically some words here. And in our English, it says they're overwhelmed with joy. You know, we use that phrase a lot, Overwhelmed with joy. I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's a good fruitcake. Yeah, get a good party. Yeah, I'm over, yeah, I was overwhelmed with joy. It's not at all what Matthew says. In fact, he doesn't say joy once, he uses joy twice. He uses it as a verb and he uses it as a noun. He says, Rejoice. And then the fascinating word that he uses next is violently. And then the noun joy. Matthew says that they finally get there and they rejoice violently with joy. There is no mistake. There's no coincidence here that there's an inner turmoil, a riot within Herod of anger, of fear, of insecurity, of powerlessness and a whirlwind of joy that rises up in the wise men. A force that is so violent, but for good, that it displaces, it disrupts, it overcomes any other worry, any other doubt, any other fear, any other sense of being out of control. It is the type of tornado you want in your life. It's not this little simmer. It's not even like a little bubble. It is an eruption of joy. You see, when you live the wise way, and you are open to a God who is bigger than your kingdom could ever be, you are open to being transformed regardless of the circumstances. When you find your identity in who Christ says you are, when you find your security in who God is and what God provides for you. When you find your worth through what Jesus enables you to have God say about you, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what people say, regardless of what the doctor has just diagnosed you with, regardless of your job, regardless of your financial situation, regardless of the markets, you will find that you will be grounded and you will rejoice violently, overwhelmingly with joy. Now, I asked one question. I'm going to ask another question. How many of you would say, as followers of Christ, you found an experience, perhaps in the last year, in the last season, perhaps years ago, where it really doesn't make sense because the circumstances really haven't lined up. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your financial reality. Maybe it's just something, that the, the world would say, no, that's fallen apart, but you found in a relationship with God through Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have a sense of joy that is erupting in your life that nothing can overtake. How many of you have ever had that experience? here? Look around the room. So we've got a little bit of a Herod, we've got a little bit of a wise one in us, and we have a choice every single day to go the Herod way, Or the wise way. Now let's continue on. Herod, verse 4 through 7. He uses others as pawns. He uses others for selfish gain and for selfish glory. I've already read this, but let's go back to it. Verses 4 through 7. He's terrified. He's frightened. He feels the sense of being out of control. He's powerless. And so verse 4, he calls together all the chief priests. He gets the leaders involved. He gets the people with power involved. He gets the people with influence involved. And all the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And now in verse 7, he then secretly calls the wise men and learns from them, gets info from them for the exact time when the star had appeared. He's using people. I'm not going to have you put your hands up if you've ever done this, but the reality is, is that we as human beings, when we feel out of control... When we feel like our kingdoms, our plans, the way we want things to be done, uh, how we're going to drive down the freeway, when we begin to have that world, that kingdom threatened, we see people, not as blessings, not as people to serve, not as people made in the image of God, we begin to see them as objects and we exploit them and we use them for selfish blame and selfish glory. I saw that hand go up. I didn't even ask the question. It's like there's a the spirit is convicting us, right? I'll put all, all limbs up, right? Or we can go the wise way. That isn't using others for selfish gain and selfish glory. It is giving of ourselves away for the glory of God. Now, take a look at this. The wise men, the magi, you see this. And, you know, I've already read this. But verse 11, for example, on entering the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and they knelt down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chest and they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now this isn't a sermon to talk about what gold and frankincense and myrrh may or may not mean. The point is, is they've traveled, they've left their world, they've left their, their way of life. Think about the energy it takes to go from however far east to finally get to Bethlehem They're giving their time, their talent, and their treasure. And they're worshiping this one that Herod is terrified of. They're worshiping the one that other people see as a threat to their kingdom. I love the word worship because the old English, worth-ship, is where we get that word, what you Find worth in what you think is worth giving your time, what you think is worth giving your energy, what you think is worth giving your attention to. That's what you worship. And what you worship determines who you become. And so Herod is, is worshiping his kingdom, his power, his sense of control And he is becoming a person where a riot is welling up within him and it overflows in such a way, I didn't read it here, but in verse 13 and 14 and even on into 16, it says, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. The tornado, the riot, bursted forth. And what does it say? He sent and killed All the children in and around Bethlehem that were two years old or younger. Infanticide throughout the land. You know, we can have a little bit of Herod in us, and we can kill people with our thoughts, we can kill people with our words. Or we can allow that to become this mob in us that overflows where we begin to go beyond just being short or unkind. And we do get violent. It's the way of the world. It's the Herod way. We become what we worship. And these wise men are worshiping the king of kings. And a different tornado rises up with them and it's one with overwhelming joy. You've seen what it's like to be around people that regardless of the circumstances, joy just seems to be erupting from them. It's it's a calming presence. It's a joyous presence. I want to be in line with those people at the grocery store. You know, I want to sit with them in the waiting room in the DMV. I want to be around them, you know, in places. I don't want to be around sometimes how I act, the Herod way. Why, why are these people here? I'm shopping, you know, and I'm short, and I'm just... Every day is an opportunity to go the Herod way or the wise way. Finally, let's take a look at this. The Herod way, wise way, completely different. Uh, for Herod, uh, his outward behavior didn't match his interior motives. His outward behavior did not match his interior motives. Well, Drew, what do you mean? I thought I he just killed all the kids. Well, well, before that, what does he secretly say to the magic? What does he secretly say to the wise men? Verse 7, take a look at this. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I might worship him too. No, that's not at all what his interior motives were. He wanted to kill the Christ child. And when you live life the Herod way, you get good at being a chameleon. Whatever group you're with, whatever situation you're in. You know how to say the politically correct popular thing for that group regardless of what your interior motives are. And you find yourself in certain situations saying the right thing to get what you want. Saying the right thing so that you can use people for your selfish gain. Using people by tickling their ears. Oh yeah, I like that. I did that. Oh yeah. Let me go with you and I'll do that when you have secretly interior motives. That's not how you have to live. Look at the wise way. The wise men, take a look at this. We've already read this. But let's take a look at how their outward behavior aligned with their interior motives. We know, outward behavior. Verse 11, we've already read. They go and they worship the king of kings. They worship the Christ child with their time, their talent, their treasure. But what was their interior motive? Go all the way back to the beginning. We've already read it, but just to stick with this. Verse 2. They've come to Jerusalem after this long journey, and they say, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? We're looking for him. Exact same language that Herod used. For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to worship him. Exact same language that Herod used, but their interior motive was revealed in verse 11 that all along they've wanted to worship this one who they believe is worthy of worship. You can spend your time, you can spend your energy, you can spend your resources in two directly, diametrically opposed ways of life. One leads to fear and insecurity and powerlessness. A violence that eats you up from the inside and begins to chew up people around you, or it could be one of peace and of joy and of satisfaction, an eruption that, that spills over and gives life to people around you. You see, the wise way is moving at the speed of light. Now, I love that Jason is here. I see you there with your pops and... You know, Jason uh, walked up to me, I think it was after the first week, and Jason says, you know, Drew, there's a a subtle difference between speed and velocity. And Drew, you know, I heard you talk about speed, and I heard you talk about velocity. You know, in the first week, I talked about how uh, the velocity of our lives is in direct proportion to what we value the most. So I was using speed, I was using velocity, and Jason said, you know, they're, they're, they're related, but they're actually, there's some differences between the two. I'm like, oh, really? And he shared with me, and you know, I'm 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 a little slow sometimes, so I had to go and I had to research, and you know, I start where everybody else searches. You know, I went to Wikipedia and that, that was still I was still confused, and I you know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you the difference between speed and, and velocity. Here's what's amazing God can use my ignorance. And actually, God had a brilliant truth for us as a church, even though I had no idea there's a difference between speed and velocity when I first said it in the first week. And as I've studied this, and Jason, you know, he spoke the truth in love, and he said this to me, it prompted me to get deeper into this, and I realized, like, oh, this is good. That'll preach. You see, speed as an equation is distance over time, right? We talk about uh, speed in miles per hour, miles, distance. Over time per hour. You can do miles per second, uh, miles per day. You know, the, the speed is distance over time, regardless of its direction. I think a lot of us feel like we live a hectic, hurried life because we are spinning at a high rate of speed in circles without direction, without purpose. Velocity is speed in a direction. Some of you are like, what does that mean? How is that going to preach? Consider this. Rather than spinning around at a high rate of speed, lack of direction, just, just wherever the wind blows, especially relative velocity, which is speed, in a direction. When we talk about direction, we have to talk about direction from a reference point. So when you are driving down the freeway, you can test this out today. Step on the gas. You get pulled over say, I'm just trying to live out the illustration my senior pastor gave me. Okay? So step on the gas. Increase the rate of your speed in the direction down the freeway that all the other cars are going. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, The car that you're about to pass will seem like it's going backwards. It's not going backwards. It's, It's simply in relation to you, relative to you, has a negative velocity. So it has this illusion. It has this appearance that it's actually going backwards when in actual fact, because you're going in the same direction, you at a higher rate of speed... They will perceive you, and it seems like negative, but for you to them it seems positive, and you can actually eclipse and you can pass. Now, how many of you have ever had a conversation with somebody at 550 miles per hour? Anybody else done that? You know where I'm going with this? On an airplane. Here's what's fascinating. You're side by side with somebody. You're having a conversation at 550 miles per hour. That's that's a high rate of speed, isn't it? But when you're at that high rate of speed in the same direction, moving at the same speed, whether you're 550 miles per hour or you are stuck on the tarmac... Your velocity in relation to one another, your relative velocity in relation to one another will be exactly the same. You know what's fascinating in the physics world? It describes that the two of you, not in a positive way, not in a negative way, but the two of you are at rest in relation to one another. And when I discover this, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that I'm so dumb that I put speed and velocity together that Jason had to correct me because here's the reality To move at the speed of light means to move at the speed of Jesus, which means that sometimes you gotta slow down, sometimes you gotta speed up. Sometimes you gotta go left, sometimes you gotta go right. Sometimes you gotta step back, sometimes you gotta step forward. But all of it is side by side with Jesus. And when you move throughout this life in decisions, in relationships, regardless of the circumstances, through the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps you in check, that brings you along, that slows you down, that as you constantly spend time in God's word and in prayer and in relationship with God the Father through Jesus, you are side by side and you are at? That's what I need. It's what you need. It's not just about slowing down. That's what culture says. We just got to slow down. No, you know what? Next week, we're going to talk about speeding up. And there's a lot of ways in which I and you need to speed up because Jesus... He's saying, come on, I've got work for you. I've got people I, w- I want you to reconcile with. I've got people you've got to confess to. I've got people you've got to serve. Speed up, let's go. The velocity of our lives is in direct proportion of what we value the most. Herod was going in the complete opposite direction of God. And look at the awful wake that he left. We have no idea, revealed in Scripture, what happened with the wise men. But church history says that they went out transformed by who Jesus was. They gave their life to Christ and they began to preach who this risen Savior was. And as they were in step with Jesus Christ in their hearts and their minds and their decisions, they were at rest. The wise way, the Jesus way, moving at the speed of light with Jesus. A velocity with direction, with purpose, with speed, enables us to have a rest regardless of the circumstances. Now I got to share this story, you know, and it's it's so amazing, a practical practical example. How many of you show of hands are on the Nextdoor app? Anybody? Okay, so I, I, I moved into my neighborhood like four years ago, and my, all my neighbors are like, are you on next door? And I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, we got to invite you. And so I joined this thing, and basically it's this app where people just complain to one another, <laughs> you know? And I go out of this thing, and I'm like, you know, you follow me here, right? And I'm like, wow, I've never heard people complain so much about coyotes and <laughs> awful weather and good weather and... You know they don't like the look of their UPS guy, and they think that he's coming. It's like, who are you people, right? And it's and, and not all of it is that, but, but you know, there's 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 these things. So a lot of a lot of people spend their energy on things that I doubt give them joy. And then I hear this story. Sid Taylor. So Sid part of our worship team. She's been part of our church for a couple decades, I think. And So you posted, and it wasn't uh, complaining about the traffic. What was the title of the post on Nextdoor? Does anyone need prayer? Anyone need prayer? You're not supposed to post that in Los Angeles in 2019. <laughs> so how many comments as of this morning have popped up? 125, are they all negative? Just one negative. So what's the negative one say? We won't give names, but what's the one they? Absolutely not. That, that's, that's all it was, absolutely not. Well, now we know how to pray for that person, right? So people have responded in a positive way with prayer requests, 125, We'll, we'll say 124 positive, and yet we know how to pray for the, the other one. But you've also received direct messages, private messages as well. 25 detailed direct messages. Well, you've got a, a lot of uh, time to now spend on praying for them. Can you, do you mind coming up real quick? I'm, I'm sorry, I, we didn't do this on the nine, but can you bring that little journal? We're going off script here, people. Let's spend our time, church, uh, in in a little different way than I planned. Thank you, Sid. Can we give thanks for Sid for just coming up? So I'm going to spend time that apparently I don't know if I have, but I'm just going to take it. Um, You, let's you know, let's do a little bit of a multiply effect here. Do you have? So you've written some of these down.
1: Try to keep track of them now and I got to respond and say I'm praying for you yeah just...
0: so do you feel like there's one that anonymously you could share with this group that we as a church can pray for and having no idea how many thousands are going to watch
1: <laughs> there was someone who was a caretaker for their uh, elderly parent and their sisters and brothers weren't being nice about it and the, it they were just so exhausted. They don't see the light at the end of their tunnel. They feel like they've done everything for everyone else, and their life has no purpose, and they're embarrassed to tell their um, friends and family, and, because they just feel like they're complaining. So mm. she felt comfortable telling me, but didn't want to be a complainer. So So who can come, come up
0: right now and pray? Could you come on up? That <laughs> hand just shot up. I love that. And let's, <laughs> let's as a community, let's, let's just with our hearts and minds, let's join in prayer for this, this person. It'd be awesome
1: Father, we lift up this woman who is taking care of her elderly parents, both Not just, mom. just one. Oh God, we lift up her up her up and we ask that you would bring the help that she needs. You said you were our helper. I pray you'd bring the help that she needs, the resources she needs give her rest let somebody let her find um, what she needs for her mom if it's to stay in the same house or to be in assisted living or whatever she needs, God, you know how to direct this woman. And I pray you would direct her. And Lord, I pray you just let her be in the path where people will reach out to her if she needs that. And Lord, bless her. Thank you for what she's doing for her mom. Bless her mom. Give her the best healthcare and the best doctors, meet the financial needs, and we know you can do all these things. And blessed, Lord, as she prays for all these people, we thank you, God, for our pastor too. Please bless him too. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: amen. Amen. Let's give thanks for them. God bless you. So encouraging. Jesus has come to disrupt your kingdom. There's no way about it. He has not come to enhance your kingdom. He has come to disrupt it. So you have a choice. See it as a threat or allow it to transform you. You see it as a threat, you're going to get torn up on the inside. You're going to be an awful person to be around. You allow it to transform you, you're going to love the life that he invites you into. you're going to be proud in the right way of who Christ is calling you and the Holy Spirit is transforming you to become. I want to go the wise way. And I'm humble enough to know that I get tempted to go the Herod way. So we need the Holy Spirit's help. Let's pray. Spirit, we ask that you would reveal to us the ways in which we have been threatened by Jesus. And Spirit, would you reveal to us the truth that Jesus has come to disrupt for our good, for God's glory? for the things that we can't even dream of. May we not settle for our little measly kingdoms. May we hunger for your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Spirit of God, disrupt our plans, disrupt our selfishness, disrupt our using other people for our selfish gain. And may it transform us May it transform this church, this city and beyond. Jesus, we thank you that you've come, the great disruptor of human history. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we say together, amen.